Let's pray together. Now, Father, we do thank you for your word. We ask that you'd open our hearts and our minds to it now. As we come before you with humility, uh, with joy, and with eager expectation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, today, as has been said, uh, Kingsley referenced it already, it's Christ the King Sunday. It's a wonderful day to be baptized on. Good choice, Kingsley. Uh, and all of our readings today focus on Jesus as the King. Jesus as the Son of Man in Daniel, who's given power and authority and glory. The Lord being robed in majesty in Psalm 93. Pilate declaring Jesus as the King in John 18. But not only are these passages about Jesus as the king, they're also about the difference between his kingdom and the kingdom of this world. And we saw that especially in Jesus' interaction with Pilate in John 18 this morning. In that passage, we see two kings sort of squaring off against one another, sizing each other up. And from the the world's vantage point, uh, Pilate looks like he has all the authority. He looks like the greater of the two kings. He's standing over Jesus to pronounce judgment. He's got all the power and the authority in the situation. He will decide whether or not Jesus will live or die. From the outside looking in, it looks like Pilate is the greater of these two kings. But as you listen to the conversation, it sounds very different. And we see that Jesus is the one who actually has the real authority of the two. Jesus is the one who knows what's going on. He's the one who seems to be confident and in control. Jesus is, the, is certain of his kingdom and his place in it. Jesus is the true king in this scene. And not only is Jesus demonstrating his true kingship, but he is demonstrating the difference between the two kingdoms themselves. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, he says. And that tells us something about the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of this world operates on violence and threat and brutality. The entire scene is all about Pilate, as I said, deciding whether or not Jesus should die. And so violence or the threat of violence is looming large over this scene. Violence is the currency of this world. It's the currency of Pilate's kingdom. But Jesus says, my kingdom is not like that. It's not about violence or the threat of violence. My kingdom is not of or from this world. It's different than that. And we see the same thing in our passage from Daniel this morning. In our passage from Daniel, it actually begins, what we read actually begins midway through a vision that Daniel is having, where he sees four successive kingdoms, one coming after the other, one after the other upon the earth, one more brutal than the next. And it uses language of destruction and devouring the previous kingdom and trampling over everything that went before it. Just read those first eight verses of Daniel 7, and you'll see that one after another, the kingdoms are more brutal than the next. It's all about violence and destruction. That's the way of this world, the kingdom of this world. It's about violence, about greed, competition, the lust for power, a willingness to kill and destroy anything that goes before you if it's in your way. But the kingdom of God is not like that. Jesus' disciples are not directed to use violence in order to free him. He doesn't call down legions of angels to come and set him free as he could have. Jesus is willing to suffer 
for the sake of righteousness in order to set the world free. And so the kingdom of God is about love. It's not about violence. It's about setting people free. It's not about enslaving them and using them for your own ends. It's about a willingness to suffer for the sake of righteousness, not to, to pursue your own selfish ambition at all costs. It's about grace, not viciousness, love, not hate, courage, not fear, truth, not lies, mercy, not vengeance. And so one of the main choices that lies before us as we hear these readings is which kingdom do you want to be a part of? Which kingdom will you choose to participate in? And which king will you give your allegiance to? Because that's what we ultimately bore witness to this morning. Kingsley was choosing the kingdom of God over the kingdom of this world, and he was choosing to give his allegiance to Jesus. And we see that very clearly in the profession of faith. We saw it before. If you could put it on the screen, I just want you to see side by side these six questions. Three of which are a turning away from the kingdom of this world, a willful decision to turn away from the kingdom of this world, turn away from the devil, the world, and the flesh. Very traditional way of referring to it. Everything that encompasses the kingdom of this world. I renounce them. I turn away from them. I'm willingly choosing a different direction. What am I choosing? I'm choosing Jesus. I'm choosing the kingdom of God. I'm choosing to move towards Jesus. So I'm turning away from the devil. I'm turning to Jesus. I want you to see them as a, a counterweight to one another. Please see this. I'm turning away from the devil and I'm turning to Jesus. I will joyfully receive the Christian faith. So I'm turning away from the empty promises and the deadly deceits of the world. And I am receiving the Christian faith. This is what I'm going to give my allegiance to. I'm turning away from the sinful desires of the flesh. And I'm turning towards God, God's commandments. Not my own desires, but I'm going to turn to God and seek what his desires are for me. I just want you to see the way that those are, are counterweighted to one another. Each aspect of the kingdom of God uh, is something that we're turning to and we're turning away from the kingdom of this world. On this day, we get to bear witness to Kingsley making that decision for himself. Praise be to God. But I think it's important to say for all of us and for Kingsley as well, this is not just a one-time decision that we make. Of course, we're baptized once, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. But every single day is an opportunity for us to choose a to live according to the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of this world. Every moment that presents itself before us is an opportunity for that. Every time I'm tempted towards greed, selfishness, violence, threat, domination, fear, anger, lust, competition, whatever it is, every one of those moments presents us with an opportunity to live into our baptismal vows. Either I'm going to choose to live according to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of this world. To choose generosity instead of greed, partnership instead of selfishness, peace instead of violence, listening, openness instead of threatening, kindness instead of domination, courage instead of fear, love instead of anger, grace instead of lust, cooperation instead of competition. Every moment of every day presents us with those opportunities. Your friend hurting you is an opportunity to choose to live into the kingdom of God. Dealing with stress is an opportunity to live into the kingdom of God. Someone offending you 
a colleague getting a promotion that you would hope for, passing your neighbor on the street, whatever it is. Every moment of every day is a choice. Either I'm going to choose to live into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of this world. So I just want to say that maybe one of the things that we're called to do today is to ask God to give us eyes to see the world from that perspective. That every single choice I'm making is not just a, an abstract choice, but it's a choice, a particular choice to live according to one kingdom or another. And that we may ask God to give us the strength and the courage that we need by his Holy Spirit to enable us to make the right choice and live according to the kingdom of God. May that be the way that we see the world. Two other things that I just want to point out to uh, in these passages. And the first is this, that as we contrast the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, we are not talking about two equal kingdoms. I think dangerously sometimes we think along those lines, even the way I set that up, right, as a counterweight kind of presents it as two equal kingdoms. They're not two equal kingdoms. And we need to see that. We need to know that. And that, for me, is part of the beauty of, of the Daniel 7 passage that we heard today. Daniel sees this escalating and successive um, kingdoms, one coming after another, one getting bigger and bigger and more and more vicious than the one that went before it. And he's terrified. He's scared. He's trying to figure out what does all this mean? What is all this? All he sees in, in sort of his field of vision, in his imagination, all he can see are these brutal kingdoms, one after another. And sometimes I think we're the same way. All we see are, is the kingdoms of this world, the threat of the kingdom of this world. But then coming crashing down into the middle of that vision, we get verse 9 where, where it says, and I looked, it's like the clouds part for Daniel in Daniel chapter 7. And I looked, he says, and thrones were placed. And the ancient of days took his seat, and this great multitude that surrounds him, a thousand thousand served him in ten thousand times times 10,000 stood before him, this innumerable multitude, this enormous kingdom. So all these other kingdoms look big. Can't even number the size of the kingdom of God Daniel was seeing before him. And verse 10 says, the court sat in judgment and the books were open. Daniel has this great and terrifying vision of all these kingdoms of the, of the world, one after another. And he's thinking, what in the world is going on? This is all he can see. And then all of a sudden coming crashing down into the middle of that is the ancient of days seated in judgment over all the kingdoms of this world. These kingdoms and these rulers think that they are sovereign and that they are in control. But only God, only the ancient of days is sovereign over all. He is the one who sits in judgment. And we need to have that vision if we are to move forward in the world without fear, without needing to turn to threats ourselves. And then we see this, Jesus, one like the son of man, Daniel says, is presented before the ancient of days. And the ancient of days gives him dominion and glory to the kingdom that all peoples, all nations, all languages would serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. All these other kingdoms that sometimes crowd our field of vision is all that we can see. They will all come crumbling down, but it's only God's eternal kingdom that will last forever. And God is the one who sits in judgment over all these other kingdoms of the world. These are not two equal kingdoms. 
God's kingdom is so much greater, and we have to have that vision. And what I want to say is that this is why that scene with Jesus and Pilate is so striking. Because if we have a vision of the world where these two kingdoms are equal, well, then Pilate does have all the authority in that scenario. Pilate does look like the scary king there. He looks like he really can destroy Jesus. Yet Jesus is the one who stands there self-confident and self-assured. Why is that? Jesus is able to do that because he knows that the world is under the authority of God. He knows whose kingdom is ultimately uh, eternal. Pilate has no real power and authority over Jesus. He can hurt Jesus. He can harm him. He can even kill him. But Jesus' death is simply Pilate helping to inaugurate the kingdom. How incredible is that? That the violence and threats of this, of this world only participate in inaugurating God's kingdom through Jesus Christ. Jesus stands there confident and self-assured because he knows where real power and authority lie. They lie within the kingdom of God. And that no matter what Pilate does, he is ultimately safe in God's kingdom. He doesn't have to feel threatened. He doesn't have to worry. He has the ultimate authority. All glory, dominion, power, and authority have already been given to Jesus by the Father. That's what Daniel tells us. And that's to be our posture to the world as well. I just want to say we can sometimes feel like the world is overwhelming, like it's going to win. It dominates our horizon as well. But we are to stand self-assured and trust that ultimately, no matter what happens, God is in control. His kingdom has all the authority. Jesus has already been given power, glory, and dominion over all things. And then lastly, I just want to point your attention to how Jesus uses the power, glory, and dominion that he's been given by the Father. And that even though the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God are position to one another, Jesus' desire is not to destroy this world. He says his kingdom's not of the world, it's not from the world, but he's not trying to destroy the kingdom of this world. Instead, he is, he is desiring to release it from captivity and bondage. That's the way that Paul talks about it in Romans 8. This world is groaning in eager expectation for the Son of Man to come and release it from captivity and bondage. So Jesus doesn't act in violence and threat the way the Pilate does. His kingdom is not like that. He said Jesus enters into the world. He doesn't run away from it. And he enters in to serve the world and to love the world and to bring about the redemption of the world, even if that means it's going to be through his own suffering. And I think that's one of the questions that we have to ask. Do we run scared from the world? Do we think we're at war with the world? We want to fight it by the weapons of this world. Are we even willing to suffer? for the sake of righteousness, in our calling to serve the world, love the world in the way of Jesus, that he might continue to bring about his new kingdom here on earth. So three questions to consider today. What is your vision of the kingdom of God? And how does it compare to the kingdom of this world? Do you see them as equal kingdoms? Or do you have a vision of God's glorious and reigning sovereign kingdom?
Number two, how do you picture the kingdom of God interacting with this world? Is it at war with this world? Do I have to fight it? Or am I called to love, enter into the world in love and service and even being willing to suffer to bring about the world's redemption by the power of God, the Holy Spirit? And will you choose to see all those small and large ways, every choice that you make throughout the day, as an opportunity to choose to live into God's kingdom versus the kingdom of this world? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.